to, but I feel like what, because Bob didn't even know what I was speaking about, and come up with this list, and that last part there, when I don't understand, I choose you. It, it goes right with what I'm talking today, because a lot is going on that we don't understand. You have to stay close. You're good, Bob. I won't ask you to play the whole time, because I know how that is when I had, used to have to do that. But uh, if you're with me, and I know I usually go into a joke or something, but I'm just not feeling that this morning. Uh, turn with me, if you've got a Bible, to Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. If you don't, I'm going to put it up on the screen if you can see the screen. Um, and uh, we're going to look at Paul. Um, Philippians uh, was written by the Apostle Paul to the church he started there in Philippi around uh, 52 A.D., and so this is going to be written about 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, when you read the book of Philippians, though, if you ever look into it, you see that the love that Paul had for these people he was writing to is profound. I, I mean, it's so real. He's writing this letter, though, in response uh, because he had this real need. And the, the church at Philippi found out about this need. And they gathered this offering. And it just, when Paul got it, he was so overwhelmed by their generosity that he wrote this letter thanking him, but also giving them some guidance uh, for, for them. Um, Paul writes, it's important to note, Paul writes this letter. Paul writes Philippians in a Roman prison. And so what we're getting ready to read Paul is writing it from a prison. Um, uh, Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with what? Joy. In prison, you're praying with joy. In affliction, you're praying with joy. He says, in all my prayers, I always pray with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul says, I pray for you with joy. And in a time when you think Paul needs some encouragement, Paul's getting ready to give them some encouragement. Have you ever been there? You know, Paul needs some encouragement. Paul, you're going to get through this. Paul, you're going to get out of prison. Paul, things are going. And that Paul starts giving the encouragement. He says, and until now, being confident of this, that, hey, he who began a good work in you, church at Philippi, he who began a good work in you is going to carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And he says this, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. I could stop right there. This isn't in my note. During this time, who do you have in your heart? Who do you have in your heart? You know, I think it was in Thursday's devotional that I gave, uh, challenged people to write down five names of people in their inner circle. So where you see those five names, because a lot of times it can be so overwhelming what's going on, the need, that we end up uh, with what, what this writer called decision paralysis, where we end up doing nothing because we can't make up our mind what to do. And, and so I encourage you, write down five names. and Begin to pray. Begin to text. Reach out to those people. And, and, and so he says, it's right for me because I have you in my heart. Who do you have in your heart today? Who do you have in your heart? And he says, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. 
Let me ask, if there's one thing Paul could change about his current situation, what do you think it would be? Me personally, I think Paul would rather not be in prison. That's just me personally. I think uh, he would love to be preaching the gospel outside the prison. I think he would love to be getting a good night's sleep in a good bed, uh, good meals a day. I think he would rather have different company if it was his, than a Roman guard. Come on now. Uh, now. Now, let me ask you a personal question. If there's one thing you could change about your situation, what would it be? Some of you are like, uh, duh, PK, this stupid COVID-19 thing. That's what I would change. I'd like for life to get back to like it used to be. Here's what I know. We all have something. We all have something that we wish God would change in our lives, in our situations. Whether it's getting rid of this crisis that we're in right now or something else, we all have that one thing that we wish were different. And it happens in all stages of life. When you were young, you wish you were older. When you're older, you wish you felt younger. Not necessarily that you were younger, just that you felt younger. Uh, some people say, I wish I had a job. Some people, I wish I had a different job. Uh, I wish I didn't live here in this city, in this country, in this state. I wish I had a different home. I wish I had different friends. I wish I had a friend. Come on. I wish I was married. I wish I wasn't married. You know, uh, different things. I wish I had kids. I wish I had different kids. And, and, and so we have all these things, these situations. We've all got something going on. So today's lesson, I, I went back and forth. I first gave it a name. I didn't, I'm like, that's so stupid. So I thought of a stupider name, more stupid name. Uh, my wife's correcting me. The Watt family. Uh, so I, I want to introduce you to the first Watt, member of the Watt family. And what I hope to do is, because, man, God, God kicked my tail this morning, even in our prayer time with our leadership, because I'm like, man, this message is for you, because you need to change the way you're seeing things, Kelly, your perspective on things. And, and so that's what I hope today. So if you're taking notes, and I posted them online, I did remember today, the first member of the Watt family, I know this, everyone has a Watt that they don't understand the why. And I had the why too, but my wife said that sounded funny, so she took it out. But everyone has a what that you don't understand the why too, why it's happening, why it's going on. Uh, and th th there, there's a what. D during this season of our life, our nation's history, what is the what we don't understand the why to? This virus, right? This COVID virus, this COVID is what is going on in our lives right now that we don't understand why. God, why don't you do something about this? Come on. God, we are a week away from Easter. Churches are going to be empty. God, stop the madness. Why don't you do something about it? But, but if we're honest, for many of you watching or listening or even here today, when it comes to the what you don't understand the why to, your what's a little bit deeper than that. Your biggest what that you don't understand the why to may be your finances. God, in fact, especially if you're a tither and you lose your, God, what's going on? Why is this happening? Why is my business having to be closed? Come on. 
God, why is my marriage on the rocks? God, why? What is going on with my inability to stop this addiction? God, this depression, what is it with this cloud that hangs over me? God, you're walking me. Your kid, the wise children said, your kids, your health, your future. And we go, what, what, what? God, why don't you do something about my what? And here's the truth, guys. And this may or may not comfort you. The truth is you may never know the why to your what. Ever. But here's what you need to know. That with God, nothing gets wasted. Nothing gets wasted. I'll never know the why to, to, to why God allowed my dad not be healed of cancer. Never know the why to that. Or my wife's dad. I'll never know the why to why God didn't heal my mom. I'll never know the why to why uh, God chose to take our first son from us. I'll never know the why, those things. But here's what I do know. I know God's heart for me. I know that. I know that, that, that God has a, has a good heart and it is for me. I know that, that God is the only one that can take what the enemy, as we sang earlier, what the enemy meant for evil and turn it to good. I know that God is the only one that can take your what and use it to develop character in you, use it to strengthen you, use it to build your faith. I know that God is the only one that can do those things. And I know that with God, nothing gets wasted. And there's a what I don't understand the why to. I have to believe that God is up to something bigger. And I need to learn this valuable lesson, and you do too, is this. I don't have to understand the why or the, to trust God in the what. I don't have to understand why it happened to still trust God. I don't have to understand when, when, when we went through this with my son. I didn't have to understand. I got to get to a place where I don't understand why, but I still trust you. I don't even like it, but I still trust you, God. I still trust you. Uh, and God knew there would be times when we would walk through this. When we would have to have times that we don't understand the why, and we would have to trust the why. That's why I believe he had the, the writer of Proverbs pen, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The message says don't try to figure out things on your own. It says lean not on your own understanding. In all the ways, submit to him. He will make your path straight. I love the way the message is. That it says listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one that will keep you on track. Why would God say don't lean on your own understanding? Don't try to figure things out on your own. Because he knows us. He knows we're going to... We're going to try to figure out the why to this. We, come on. It, I didn't even know, but it, even in my notes, it, it reminded me of something. You ever took apart something, and then you couldn't figure out how to get it back together? I just want to see how it works. So you take it apart. Maybe it's that electronic thing. That's what a lot of times we do. We make our whys and what's worse because we want to dissect it Tear it apart, and then we look it back, and we don't even recognize it, much less know how to put it back together. And that's why, because we didn't trust God with the why, or with the what. We didn't say, God, I trust you regardless of why, if I understand or not. And he knows us, and there are some things we will never understand, and, and, and we will wear ourselves out trying to lean on our own, own understanding. 
I have to know that I can trust God with the what, even though I don't understand the why. His ways are higher than mine. His thoughts are higher than mine. Truth, we're all in a season in our lives that we've never been through before, right? All of us. I'll be honest with you. I, and, uh, and this is one of those areas God had to really, I was talking to the leadership this morning. I was, he, but here's the truth. I don't like it. In fact, it kind of ticks me off. And if we weren't live and if I was just with my staff and leadership, I wouldn't use the word tick. But it ticks me off. I don't like it. I, I don't like, and I'm going to start with the petty stuff. I don't like, I'm a movie buff. I don't like not being able to go to the movies. But sit in the movie theater. I don't like it. I, I, I don't like not getting to go to Ross, dress for less. Thank you. But those things pale in comparison to other things I don't like. I don't like not getting to worship with my church family. I don't like not being able to meet with my men's group for breakfast every week, my discipleship group every week. I don't like it that small business owners in our body are suffering. I don't like that people are getting laid off left and right. I, I don't like it. I, I don't like that it's affecting people the way it is. I don't like those things about what's going on. And here's the truth. I can get caught up in what the news is saying, what the media is saying, what people on Facebook are saying, and I can allow fear to sit in and it begin to govern my life where I can say, you know what? I don't understand the why, God, but I trust you anyway. I don't understand why this happened, but God, I trust you. And their thoughts and their words and their actions get consumed with asking, why? Why, God? Why? And, it's, and that begins to govern their lives. God, why? Why does this happen? So I want to give you two questions, two different questions to ask during this time. Instead of why, come on, y'all remember when uh, your kid would come, why? Why? Why can't I? Why? Why? We'd say, because I said so. Sometimes I think that's where we get it from. It's God our Father. I think because a lot of times, why? Because I said so, I'm God. Uh, but I want to give you two different questions. Instead of why, start asking this. Now what? Okay, God. I don't like what's going on. I don't like the situation. But now what? Well, what is it you're going to do through all this? Uh, look, let's go back to uh, verse 12 of Philippians 1. Paul says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, here it is, that what has happened to me, what I didn't want to happen, has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul says, I want you to know what has happened to me. Let me ask you a question. What's happened to you during this time? What has happened to you in this short, almost through four months of 2020? Lose a job? Get a bad report from the doctor? Your marriage in a crisis? You're really in a bad place financially? I mean, what has happened to you that wasn't in the plans? I mean, because, let's be honest, Paul's plans weren't to be thrown into prison. I mean, when he was writing down his schedule, Timothy, take this down, preach the gospel, get thrown into prison. It wasn't in his plans. But he says, hey, what's happened to me? This thing I would never have chosen for myself. That thing that looks really bad right now. Guess what? God is going to use it to advance the gospel. 
For the, the word advance, man, and I, I'm going to butcher this word. The Greek word for, for, for advance is prokope or something like that. Anyway, it's used as, I should have just said it really fast that people have thought I'm, it was right. It's used as a military term for advancing an army or expedition. He says, God has served to advance prokope. He said he, he's used it to do that. He, and and he, guess what? It's also used this way. When they would send a, a certain group of men, soldiers, ahead of the army to clear a path for the rest of them. Could what is happening in your life right now, God be trying to use it to clear a path for something he wants to bring to this world? Something he wants to bring to this community. Paul says, what has happened to me has been used to, to, to actually advance the gospel. What happened? Charles, Paul had a change of perspective. The way he saw it. And I know we hear that perspective. And so I was curious. Because I, like, I am a word guy. I like to know what words actually mean. And instead of just sounding smart using words. Uh, perspective. And I know we got a, a, one of the definitions, a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something, how you view something. But it's this other definition, man, that really, really hit me. Say this, perspective, the art of drawing solid objects on a two-dimensional surface so as to give the right impression of their height, their width, their depth, and position in relation to each other when viewed from a particular point. Paul saw a way to view this to get the right dimensions of the height, the width, the depth of it because he changed his position the way he saw it. Because a lot of times, the way we position ourselves to see a circumstance makes it a lot bigger than what it really is. You know those in the mirror items may be what is it closer than than you think or something like that. It may be the reverse, and, and so I believe, man. Uh, some of us, myself included, we need to change the way we view our situation. We need to we need to to be able to change the way we view it, our, our position, so we can see. Oh, I see the right height of it now, the right width of what's going on, the depth of what's going on right now. Here's what I believe God is wanting to do during this COVID nineteen crisis. I believe He wants to turn what the world is calling a pandemic into a divine opportunity for His church to show up and show out. That's what I believe. My brother Chris, uh, he'll watch us later. Uh, he, he loves to use little word plays, little word things. So this one's for him. Uh, I, I believe we serve a God that can take what we call setbacks and use them as setups. Maybe I should say it with a preacher voice. Setbacks and setups. So don't Chris love using those things tonight? What if through all this craziness that's going on, God is trying to set the church up to shine? To shine and make a difference. Paul was in an actual prison. Couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't be around the people he wanted to be around. Paul, though, had a different perspective. Paul's prison actually became his pulpit. From where the gospel would be advanced. What if our perspective got changed? And instead of seeing quarantined, stay with me. 
I'm going to use the I'm going to use the same letter on words. I'm trying this thing out. What if instead of quarantine, we saw quality time with family? What if we, we said this the other night when we were singing around the campfire and man, just having a it was such a incredible memory and time. And I said, we, we ought to do this more often. It took us a crisis to do this? What if instead of quarantine, we saw quality time with God in, our, in his word and prayer time? What if we saw, instead of quarantine, a chance to quiet our minds from all the noise that's going on? Man, I, I used to be, I, and I, I love, love music. In fact, my wife will tell you Friday mornings is one of my favorite mornings. She's laying in bed. I'm up to see what new releases have been out. I'm, a, I'm going through genres, Christian, Christian music. What new worship stuff? What is rock? What, who's got a new album out? Hey, what country? Who's got a new album? I'm, I love music. But I've gotten now, Paul, where I'm at things where I'll jump in my Jeep. Like I've got the front part of it off. I'll just drive around. With nothing playing. Quiet. Just to steal my mind. What if God is trying to set us up for us to grow? I'm telling you, what if we saw, what, what if we saw it as an opportunity this time to actually advance the gospel? Some of you don't even know you're advancing the gospel. I've had so many comments of people that told me, said, hey, when, when, when we hit, hey, host a viewing party, I, I had two calls this week. People said, I shared it and hosted it as a viewing party. Somebody that followed me but doesn't follow the church or know anything about the church, they watch the service, and they're not a church person. Some of you are sharing the advancing the gospel from home, and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. Why? God is wanting to use this as an opportunity to reach people. We, you wouldn't be staying at home right now. Now, listen, when we start meeting again, do not use this excuse. You can log on and just put your phone up. Come on. Tell me, but what if God is trying to, for us to use our prison where we can't get out and go where we want to go right now? Can't do things. And God said, I'm trying to use that as a pulpit. What if the other prison that you may feel like you're in, the prison of addiction, the prison of sin, prison of a bad marriage, prison of financial trouble, what if God wants to turn that prison into a pulpit where you can show the world what he can do when his hand is on it? Here's what I'm saying, guys. If you're taking notes, there is purpose in your prison. Change your perspective. Because here's the truth. Just because you can't see God doesn't mean God isn't working. Just because you can't hear God doesn't mean God still isn't speaking. Come on. Just because you can't feel him doesn't mean God isn't moving. There are going to be times when you're like, I don't see him. I don't feel him. I don't understand it. I don't like it. But if we can get past that, past that and just push through and see further than the circumstance, we'll see that God is working actually in the middle of that. I'm telling you, God can use things that we would have never chosen for ourselves if we'll stop asking why and say, okay, God, now what? Now what? What do you want to do through this, God? What do you want to show me through this, God? What do you want to do in me through this, God? Now what? Paul's like, this is not something I would have chosen. I don't understand it, but I trust you. Look at verse 13. I love this. 
As a result, Paul says, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. I'm in chains for Christ. Now, if you're looking on at the situation, you'd be saying, uh, Paul, you're in chains because of Christ. Not in chains for Christ, but Paul saw things differently. Here's what you need to understand. What they did to Paul. Paul was ordered to be chained to a guard. An individual. He was physically chained to a guard on his own. Not just any guard, a palace guard. And Paul says, I've been praying to be able to bring the gospel to Rome my whole life. And you think... Now I've just got a captive audience because four times a day, every six hours, they would change that palace guard out for another one, for another. So every day, Paul had an influential audience right there he was chained to to hear the gospel day in and day out. So Paul said, what you see as a prison, who's the prisoner now? And I'm telling you, God, they, they said, Paul's like, they thought they were putting in me in prison but all you've given me, guys, is a captive audience that can't go anywhere. There's some things that you're going through, and, and really hard things. I'm not talking about the virus, but you've got some other things happening, and I want to challenge you, change your perspective. Know that the test that you're enduring right now could be the testimony you tell tomorrow. My mentor used to say this. He said, people want the money without the test. Testimony, money without the test. I'll, I'll give you a moment. I'm imagining at home, you're dying laughing, especially Anthony Eaton. He's in the floor laughing at this joke. Paul says, the whole palace guard and everyone else knows that I'm in chains for Christ. The whole imperial, the whole palace guard, they know why I'm here. And then he says this, and because of my chains, because of the thing I didn't want, because of the things I didn't plan and expect to happen, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul said, God used something I wouldn't have chosen for myself. Something I didn't like, something I didn't understand, but because of it, now a lot of other brothers and sisters are stepping up to the plate. Paul said, I'm in prison. I'm in chains. Okay, God, now what? How do you want to use this? Maybe you're in a situation or circumstance you wouldn't have planned on, wouldn't, wouldn't want. But instead of saying, why, God, why, 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 maybe it's time to change your perspective and say, okay, God, I trust you. Now what? What do you want me to do, God? What do you want to do in me? How do you want your glory to shine through this? Now what? The second question. Bob, if you'll come on up. Second question, I want to encourage you to start asking. The last member that I want to talk about, the Watt family. So what? Paul's in prison. Even being joyful in prison. And Paul begins to address some division in the church. I've seen so much division in the church over this stupid virus. I mean, I've addressed it a couple weeks ago when we talked about what we were going to do as a church and what as a church, as a pastor, as people of faith. 
And I talked about how this is one of those damned if you do and damned if you don't situations. Because if you don't call off church, well, people say, oh, where's the humanity? Don't you care about people? Don't you care about spreading it? If you call out church, you call off church, you go, where's your faith? Don't you believe God can do anything? And, and I do. I do. And I also believe this. Because I was talking to my brother. I said, he said, I said, man, I, I'm just not going to allow it to govern me in, in, in different ways and fear to govern that. And I said, here's what I know. I'm going to take every precaution. If I do get it, I know I trust God can heal me. I trust God can heal me. So I'm not going to live my life in fear of whether I'm going to get it or not. Because if I do, hey, praise God, that'll be another testimony to add to that list. And, and Paul is getting ready to address some division in the church. And, and here's what he says. I, I love this. I love Paul's attitude. Paul says, you know what? It's true. Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Others do it out of goodwill. He said, there's some people preaching the good news for wrong motives. It's true. What you're telling me is true. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can, not sincerely supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Paul says, it's true. There are people out there preaching the gospel, hoping it's going to keep me in prison. With the sole purpose. I love Paul's attitude. What does it matter? So what? Here's what's important. Whether, it's, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Who cares what their motives is? The fact that they're preaching the gospel, that's all I care about. The fact that the name of Jesus is... So what somebody's online doing church a little bit different than what we think they could be doing it? So what they're on there? So if the gospel is being preached, if the grace of Jesus is being shown, so what? Paul says the most important thing, Christ is being preached. None of that other stuff matters. Paul says, I could get angry about it. Paul's like, I, I, could, I could say, man, y'all are just being selfish. Y'all are not preaching for the right reasons. I could get on social media, Facebook, put a blast out and, and, and tag people that are doing this. But what does it matter? The important thing is Christ is being preached. There are times when you get to a place in your life things are not going the way you thought they should or planned and you just have to back up and say okay so what in the scheme of things what does it matter and what that does what that attitude does it changes your perspective and enables you to see you know hey what so what I can't go out to eat so what I can't go to the movies so what I'm cooped up in the house for the third week straight with these people that call me daddy so what things are going not going the way I want them to do want them to what does it matter and I don't mean to sound insensitive because I do know the struggle is real I know these are real issues that are coming hard at people right now. I know there are real fears going on. I know people are out of work. So I'm not trying to sound or be insensitive. I'm just saying a change of perspective would do us all good. What does it matter? 
PK, what does matter then? If you're saying, what, is, what does it matter? What, what does matter? It's a great question. Eternity matters. God matters. Loving people matters. Reaching out to help others during this time matters. Calling someone on the phone because the Holy Spirit's nudged you to and you don't even know that they're so deep in depression that they're thinking about anything at all matters. Using our gifts and our abilities to make a difference matters. How we as followers of Jesus how, how we as followers of Jesus as a church, how we respond to this crisis and this time in our history matters. We will be remembered by how we responded during this time. We will be. Were we only a church uh, when we could meet together in these four walls? Or, we do, or did we continue to be the church outside these four walls? Did we continue to be the church online, reaching out to people? Did we continue? Or were we on the church Sundays and Wednesdays in these four walls? Man, a question was asked at a conference I was at years ago, and it stuck with me for years. It said, if your church was to just totally disappear overnight, would the community you live in even notice I want when we're done. I want us. I, I want because we will get through this. I know what some are saying. All this. Listen. I, I believe the coming of Jesus close, but I also believe we're going to get through this as a body, as as a country. We're going to get through this, and I believe if we how we treat this moment, this time in history, we can come through this and be a tighter knit group, a more uh, effective church, a more effective body than ever before. Paul's perspective had to change for him to get to a place where he could say these things. What was that? What, what perspective changed it all for Paul? Verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul got it. If I go on living, I represent Christ. If I'm here tomorrow, I'm representing Christ. My life is not my own. It's his. But if I die, no more bills, no more heartache, no more suffering. I'm with Jesus. Paul said, if I live, man, I'm going to make every day count. I'm not about to allow a prison to keep me from confined from spreading the gospel. In fact, I'll take this prison and I'll turn it into a pulpit. I'll take what the enemy meant for evil. I'll use it to spread the gospel. Paul's like, what does it matter? So what if I live? So what if I don't? When you get that perspective, all the things that weigh you down, all the things that weigh heavy on our hearts and minds, we see in the scheme of things, they don't matter that much. What key again, Bob? E? Come on up to